Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. When it comes to science and faith, quite often when you hear those two terms together, they don't mesh very well. But today's guest feels that science and faith shouldn't be at odds. We're joined today by Dr. Jessica Mormon. She's a scientist and an evangelical church co-founder. Today on Connections, she's going to share why these two things shouldn't be at odds, and she's going to share why it's important to get your COVID-19 vaccine. We'll hear that and so much more today on Connections. We're joined today by Dr. Jessica Mormon. She is the Senior Director for Science and Policy at the Evangelical Environmental Network. She's also the co-founder of Grace Capital City Church in Washington, D.C. Okay, the combination there is very interesting. Tell us a little (laughs) bit about your background then um, and how you're a scientist uh, and how you combine that with being an evangelical. Absolutely. So many may be surprised to hear that I am actually a scientist because of my faith in Christ. Um, so for me, what, how I, what led me to science was actually a call from God, a calling from God first to serve him. And then as a young Christian growing up in the church, searching out, Lord, how do I serve you? He revealed to me it was through studying geology, which was really strange to me and felt a bit at odds with my, with my faith. Can I be a geologist and a Christian? How do I serve God through studying geology and earth sciences? And uh, that was where my first kind of dilemma came up of can I trust this calling? Should I follow God into this calling? And uh, one thing that was really critical for me as a a young Christian looking at going into college, choosing my course of study, was that at that same moment that I was having this, this struggle and this questioning and this doubt, God put a role model, the right person in my path who turned out to be a youth leader at my church who was asking me that typical question that um, high school seniors, year 12 folks get of what are you going to do when you go off to college or university? And I said, well, I feel like God's calling me to study geology, but I don't think that I'm not sure if I can do that um, because it seems like there's this, this, that our faith should be at odds with science. And he just looks at me and he says, Jessica, don't you know that I'm a geologist? No way. Yeah. And my jaw just hit the floor. I had no idea. I'd never met a scientist within our congregation, let alone a geologist. I I didn't know. And so by having him as that role model and to help me walk through that calling showed me that I could be obedient to God, that I could trust his calling. And that really it opened my eyes that this um, feeling that faith and science should always be at odds with each other was actually false, that I had been presented with a false choice that if I hadn't have met him, who knows, I may have either walked away from my calling or walked away from the church. And ultimately, uh, I see this as a pastoral issue and as a a discipleship issue that um, when we put this um, misconception out there, this misperception out there that science and faith are at odds with each other, 
this creates an unnecessary false choice for young Christians in the church, as well as for new believers to begin to consider Jesus. It, yeah, it really does. You see a lot of people like, I have to choose. It's science or Jesus, right? Science or faith. For you then in your scientific endeavors, uh, have you seen God come alive in new ways for you then, I guess? And, and, yeah. How have you experienced God through science? Yeah, I have seen that instead of science being a barrier to my faith, it's actually enhanced my faith. Because for me, science is simply the study of God's creation. Romans 1.20 says that, that God, he, he puts his invisible qualities into creation so that nobody has excuse. We also see in Psalms that it says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. And by me studying his creation, I've seen that. And it's, it's given me um, greater insight into how magnificent God is and even how much he loves us. One of my favorite Psalms is um, in Psalm 139, where it talks about God knitting us together in our mother's womb and how science has even what scientific discovery about how God has gone about creating the universe, how he has been taking atoms that were formed in stars in the universe and knitting those together over the millennia to then form us. It, it's not that God has only been loving and shaping us for nine months in our mother's womb. He's been doing that for millennia throughout the universe and the cosmos, knowing where each little piece of us, each little atom is going to come together to form us. And that just blew my mind and just expanded my understanding of how much God loves us. Now, you and your husband um, are the co-founders of Grace Capital City Church in Washington. Tell us a little bit about your church. Yeah, it's a big mission at our church to, to break down that misconception and show that science and faith are compatible, that uh, we learn so much from scripture, but also so much about God through studying his creation. And our church um, here in Washington, D.C., we were planted out of a network of churches, the Grace family of churches, which started in uh, outside of Atlanta, Georgia. We're the, the only church plant outside of the North Georgia region. Um, but we felt, my husband and I felt called by God to come up here to Washington, D.C., the seat of government here in the U.S., and to, to serve the people here. And um, what we find is, uh, especially we serve a lot of young professionals who are just hungry to have an authentic relationship with God to come into his presence. And they're a really motivated uh, set of individuals who are seeking how can they uh, live out that specific calling that God has put on their lives in all different arenas from government to nonprofits um, to education and also in the science field. And so one of our real callings is to uh, help walk our, our 
the people that God has brought to us in the church, help them understand and integrate their faith into that profession that God has called them into. And that's something that uh, a journey that the Lord has really walked me through um, as well, uh, very much hand in hand. My calling to be a scientist has been hand in hand with how I serve God and how I live out my Christian witness as well. Now, when a lot of people, they hear Christian and science, they might think Christian scientists, like a sect of Christianity, uh, they've typically like rejected all medical treatments. And uh, despite the name, like they don't actually believe in illness and stuff. That's not what I'm hearing from you, though, right? No, absolutely not. I believe that um, God has given us an incredible, uh, creative, innovative minds to to search out and understand his creation through science and has given us incredible scientific and medical discoveries that um, really allow us to better love him and to love our neighbors. And so um, I, th- I think, especially even at this time where we're living in this age of COVID, we're on uh, a dawn of uh, seen a return to normalcy through the vaccine um, as a scientist, as well as an evangelical leader, I feel very strongly that um, continuing to bring that message that we see T.D. Jakes bring, that we see um, uh, the Pope bring, that we can we should celebrate and trust these discoveries of science that have come from studying God's creation, like the vaccine, and that we can uh, really improve the quality of life, get everyone back to normal, uh, get people back to uh, their full well-being, physical, emotional, and spiritual by uh, taking advantage of these discoveries like the vaccine. And speaking of that vaccine, your, your husband just received his second dose. He sure did. Yes. And I, I have my first. I'm waiting for my second. And so um you know, there, there's this uh, uh, disconnect right now as we're seeing studies come out about um, vaccine hesitancy. And we see within um, one of the most hesitant populations is, the, is evangelical Christians. But one thing that's also come out is 95% of evangelical pastors uh, say that they will take the vaccine and encourage their their congregations to do so as well. And I think that's a really important message to get out. Um, Having to do church for this year in COVID, doing it virtually, doing things differently, you really see the importance of um, where it says in scripture, don't cease to meet together. There's a reason why it tells us to meet t- together. We should do that when it's safely. And it's been wonderful that we've been able to meet together virtually whenever it hasn't been physically safe to do that. But we are just itching <laughs> to get back to church. And um, by having our evangelical leaders uh, really bring that message that we as evangelical Christians can trust the vaccine, and it'll allow us to begin to meet together in the way we're accustomed to doing. I hope that people hear that message and uh, get out there whenever they're um, 
uh, first available to whenever the vaccine becomes available to them, not to hesitate to go ahead and receive that gift, that gift that God is giving us um, to be able to fight this virus, to love our neighbor by uh, uh, by t- protecting ourselves and protecting them by getting the vaccine. Why do you think that there is mistrust among Christians when it comes to vaccines? Yeah, there it's, it's a, that's a, answering that is very complicated because there is a complex set of forces I think that are contributing to that. There's a lot of misinformation and disinformation out there on the web, on social media, um, sometimes coming from voices that Christians trust that begin to sow doubt that we shouldn't take the vaccine. Um, there's also, uh, again, with the use of um, abortion-derived fetal cells that are uh, have been used to test and in some cases produce the vaccine, that creates a moral dilemma for uh, many of us who hold a pro-life ethic. And what I will point folks towards again is that even for those statements that have come out um, from the Catholic Church, who uh, in I'll say that the the Pope has said and encouraged folks um, everywhere to get the vaccine as soon as it's available to them. There have been some um, uh, sections, the the Conference of, of U.S. Bishops, that have provided a caveat that if you can choose a certain uh, vaccine, namely the Pfizer and Moderna over the Johnson and Johnson. If you have that choice to to choose the others that use those cells less, to do so. But the message is still, when it comes to um, whether to take it or not, to get the vaccine because the uh, the 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 good that comes from that, the social good, the way that we love our neighbor of defeating this. Um, this, uh, this virus outweighs those um, uh, uh, ethical concerns that we may have with how it's produced. But I will say as a scientist, um, we should also explore within the science community, how can we pursue medical discoveries, scientific discoveries, without um, presenting that moral dilemma in the first place? There are ways that we can... Um, uh, uh, produce vaccines as we've seen with Moderna and Pfizer without relying on those cells. Um, we can produce cell lines that aren't linked to abortion. And that would serve the public health goals of reducing that barrier in the first place where people may be hesitant because they see an ethical dilemma there. I would like just to see that the scientific community would work harder. And there's, there's, um, uh, there's working, there's things in the works to do so. I wish they would speed that up to make sure that we just eliminate that dilemma in the first place. Yeah, I believe two of, the vac- two of the vaccines uh, were made without any use of aborted cells in production or testing, right? Uh, the Moderna one uh, and another one that I'm blanking on. So obviously there's ways to do it then. There are ways to do it. And again, the, the science community should uh, pursue those uh, those avenues that aren't linked to uh, those aborted cells because it undermines the public health goals by creating that moral dilemma that can then seed hesitancy. When uh, you as a scientist look at COVID and then as an evangelical leader 
you don't see anything nefarious at work, then you see this as a real virus and a real health issue that will end eventually if we all work together. Absolutely. We, we have had um, members of our congregation lose family members to COVID. This is a real, um, this is a real thing. COVID is real. It's not a hoax. And uh, just as we look to the early church, whenever uh there was famine. Whenever there was plague, they ran towards helping people. And so I'd like to see um, a step up to the plate in that same way to help our community. And one of the best ways we can do that is by getting the vaccine whenever it comes available to us. Now I'm going to backtrack a bit to your church again. I just got a question. When you, when you guys decided to start up this church, did you have any pushback from the community um, in regards to how you feel about science um, and faith? Well, I'll tell you, one of my, uh, my particular brand of science is in climate science. And that's also uh, in, in society can feel like a very controversial topic. Um, but being good environmental stewards actually isn't a radical idea within the church, but actually foundational, um, both in scripture, we see God calling us to care for all that he has made from the first book of the Bible all the way to the last, from Genesis to Revelation. We also see um, some really incredible examples in church history of how we've lived that out. But um, with uh, the current climate, <laughs> uh, pun not intended, of around climate science, and again, can we, is this a hoax? Can we trust this? Uh, I would say that my husband and I were initially hesitant to bring that up, even though this is the calling that God has given me. And so as we, the, the wonderful thing that I continue to discover time and time again um, is that People are hungry for information about climate change, about what's happening. Is it natural? Is it caused by us? People are hungry for this information from people they can trust, from trusted messengers in their community. And so whenever we stepped out and did a sermon series on environmental stewardship and how acting on climate is a way that we love God and love our neighbor, we were pleasantly surprised to receive little pushback. Um, I think what we expect whenever we have uh, going into conversations about climate change, most of us expect to create um, an uncomfortable conversation. But what I've found is each time that I've shared that I'm a climate scientist, whenever we've had these conversations in church, people are just ready to um, hear from people that they trust to get that information. And so um, we've been pleasantly surprised in our community and just want to put that out there to other pastors, other Christians who, as God has revealed to them, that um, acting on these pressing problems that we see in society today from uh, climate-fueled extreme weather that's harming our communities today to uh, pollution that is still claiming millions of lives uh, throughout the world, including being responsible for one in eight um, uh, uh, premature births. It's one in five when you look at the African-American population um, who are seeing this connection between 
loving our neighbor, fulfilling our call from God, and making sure we have an environment where everyone can thrive, don't hesitate from that conversation. Um, chances are you'll find someone who is, is ready to hear and is more receptive than you think. I do understand, uh, like there, I, I understand why people are leery of science sometimes because there for sure is in the scientific community now like an anti-religion stance for many. But one thing I try and remind people is the sciences were all started by very, very devout Christians that were exploring God's creation and seeking to understand creation and God better. And that's what we've done. Yes. And there's some amazing research, some surveys out by Elaine Howard Eklund of Rice University exploring. Do we still see that trend today? Are, are there still people of faith uh, in the science community? And the answer is yes. I, I've been really blown away by uh, some of her research findings that show that on average, uh, about 75% of scientists recognize a spiritual dimension to, to the world and are, are nurturing that. About 50% are active in some sort of faith tradition and house of worship. And uh, 20 to 25% identify as Christians. That's huge. But because there's uh, both in the science community as well as in the church community, there's a hesitancy to, to talk about that because, again, you think that you might be bringing up a controversial topic. And uh, I've experienced this myself, either in the lab or at church. <laughs> Am I going to say I'm a Christian in the lab? Am I going to say I'm a mm. scientist at my church? Um, because of that, that seed of hesitancy, uh, people don't talk about it. And we don't realize how many people of faith are actually in the sciences. And, and that's important. I feel like it is so important to have people of faith and especially Christians in the sciences because we are just at a time of unprecedented technological change and scientific discovery. We need Christians at the table with their moral and ethical voice yeah. to help make decisions on bioethics, to help make decisions about how uh, we do address the threat of climate change that threatens the health of our neighbors that we're called to love and to pass on a, a healthy, thriving future to our children and grandchildren. We need these voices at the table, um, both uh, in the sciences as well is speaking to our churches too. How can we as Christians, uh, maybe especially if we're a little standoffish, how can we explore science more anywhere you would suggest for us to go to uh, that we can read and trust the sources that we're reading? Sure. Um, I think uh, if you're if you're looking to understand more about um, uh, our role as environmental stewards, I encourage your listeners to check out um, the Evangelical Environmental Network's website at creationcare.org and uh, discover um, how God has called us to be those caretakers of all that he has made. Um, also, I uh, would point folks towards um, the BioLogos organization and website, which was founded by Dr. Francis Collins, who is leading the National Institutes of Health here in the, in the U.S., and actually came to faith because of 
uh, his science background of discovering and studying the human genome. He was before that not a person of faith, and his his research of the human genome led him to uh, to Jesus and becoming an evangelical mm. Christian. Wow. Um, he's got a great book called. Um, uh, uh, language of God that explores that transformation. And then I'll also point out a book, um, uh, Caring for Creation, an Evangelical's Guide to uh, Climate Change, which was written by uh, uh, my boss, Reverend Mitch Hescox, and Paul Douglas, a faithful Christian and meteorologist, again, exploring our role as environmental stewards. If we want to learn more about you or about your church, how can we go about doing that? Sure. You can find more information about Grace Capital City at gracecapitalcity.com. And you can also find me at uh, Ian's website at uh, creationcare.com. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. We'll talk to you again on Connections.